What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transform. Today we're going to be talking about purity, particularly sexual purity among those who are young and on the dating scene. A listener wrote in and asked about her adult daughter who has seemed to be trapped and or tricked. I've added the term tricked by this idea of you have to kind of try, live with a person, try before you buy. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of getting to be a part of this wonderful series. You're listening to the show now. We also do a TV show. We have an online store, all entitled Transform. So if you're new to us or if you're just hearing this for the first time, welcome. We're glad you're here. I often try to work through different topics that I think are pertinent. That's based off of listener feedback. It's also based off of counseling experience and things that I've run into over and over in counseling contexts. I, I know that purity is a big deal. In fact, many of the questions you all write in, it entails purity type questions, whether it's single or married, uh, different seasons of life, it's purity stuff. I know that uh, purity is a big deal in our lives. And, and, you know, we could say there are multiple things that go into that. Uh, our own predispositions go into that. We are by nature sinful, and so that affects purity. We obviously live in a lascivious or licentious society that promotes indulgence of the flesh. And so that obviously cultivates and doesn't help. But honestly, even if you lived in the desert by yourself, there would still be aspects of impurity that you struggled with. So we can't blame our culture for everything. Uh, But I also think the last part is uh, just maybe a laissez-faire, a lack of clarity on the importance of purity and really the significant effects of impurity over the long haul. You know, I teach a class here at Master's called Marriage and Family, and it's such a relevant class. Many of the students love getting into that class. It's, it's always jam full, and it's partly jam full because the Bible is so helpful when it comes to relationships. In that class, we talk about marriage, and we also talk about divorce. And what's interesting is that divorces are actually on the decline. And if you look at that, you could think, well, man, like, praise the Lord. And to a certain degree, we do praise the Lord. We don't want covenants to be broken. But there's also this rapid incline of cohabiting. So people are waiting later and later to get married. And now younger people, 20s, 30s, are just moving in with their boyfriend and girlfriend. And the thought is, you know, we'll get engaged eventually. You might even start to have children together before you're committed to a long-term marriage relationship. So it's not a huge win if divorces are down simply because people aren't getting married anymore. It would be a a greater win if divorces were down because people were getting married and staying married. But I also found it interesting as well that those who cohabit first are more likely to bail on a relationship later. When you cohabit, what takes place is you enter with this potential exit door. You know, there's a lever that I might pull if I have to. I'm not totally committed to you in that way. It's I'm quote unquote trying before I buy. I'm figuring out if we're compatible. I'm figuring out 
who you are, how you resolve conflict and so forth. And yet even that mentality is hurting us. And it's hurting us obviously for practical reasons, but ideological reasons. It is a dangerous thing to begin to think of a relationship with, well, we're going to live together, but if this doesn't work out, I'll just move out and move on with my life. Why is that dangerous? Because when you actually do get married, in the back of your mind, there's an exit door. There's a lever that you might pull that says, eject, I'm out of here. That sounded kind of like a toilet flushing. I didn't mean that to sound like a toilet flushing. Uh, We're hurting ourselves ideologically because if I think, you know what, you're kind of rude and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to mom's house. If there's an exit door, your heart is inclined to go there when times get difficult. If there's an eject lever that you pull, then there is a temptation to go there when times get tough. So you, you have to be really guarded against this try before you buy for multiple reasons. But one of the practical reasons is purity. Honestly, purity. I'll never forget, I was meeting with a, a male and female. They were dating. The lady had reached out. She had her own concerns about their relationships, but it seemed like she was just hesitant to vocalize them to the boyfriend. So I'm just going to be honest. I don't call guys losers quite regularly, but I'm very comfortable calling him a loser. And hopefully you'll agree with me here in a second. When we met, he just kind of had this cavalier attitude about sexual purity. Even the audacity to say, you know, Pastor Greg, show me in the Bible where it says you cannot have sex before marriage. And I had to pick my draw off of the floor. You know, it's like one of those moments where your mouth just hangs open and you're like, are you kidding me right now, dude? Yes, he was not kidding. Show me in the Bible where it says that you cannot have sex before marriage. I thought I could show you like 12 places. And I did. And one of the passages I took him to is this passage that I'm going to read to you now. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, this is the will of God. I mean, how much more overt can Paul be? There are, there are multiple narrative sections. There are apocalyptic literature here. You know, there's, there's chronologies, there's genealogies in the Bible. And yet Paul tells the Thessalonians, which they were a good church. He tells this healthy church, here is something overt to understand. This is God's will, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. It doesn't get much more clear than that, honestly. I don't know how you can wiggle out of that if you're trying to say, well, we are being pure. We're two people who are committed to each other. You're not. You're not by any definition of the word with purity. That is an immoral relationship. If that person is not your spouse and you are engaging in those sexual acts with them, that is impurity and that is immorality. There's no way around it. So ladies, if your boyfriend is ever minimizing the importance of Purity, I want you to think red flag, triple red flag, crazy red flag. And I reminded this lady of that particular thing. He is so cavalier about this that it makes me wonder about your judgment in dating a guy like this. Okay, I, I didn't scold her, you know, and I'm not there to crush anybody. But over time, if you're willing to date someone that says, come on, you know, it's not a big deal, we love each other we're committed to each other, then the response is, if you want to enter into that next level of relationship, we need to talk about marriage, numero uno, or I'm out of here. 
anybody that is going to minimize God's word is going to be a very, very unhelpful person to date and potentially marriage to marriage. You know what? You guys pray for my vocabulary today. I'm working through some vocabulary issues and sound effect issues, it sounds like. Okay. So that's a huge red flag. So this culture of try before you buy, is it's an awful culture that it's not only undermining the very foundation of marriage, it's hurting you. It's hurting your commitment and your ability to persevere when it gets difficult. It is directly against the scripture. So before I say all negative, all negative, all negative, I want to introduce the idea that God knows best. Do you believe that God created you, that you are his Psalm 100 verse 3? and he created you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has the best purposes for you? Now, when I say this, it, it sounds weird. Imagine a delicious meal for a second. My wife and I enjoyed most like Asian genres of food. Sushi is a typical go-to for us. We love eating sushi together. Some of you might be like, Ugh. dead fish, raw fish. Ugh. I prefer cooked. Okay, I understand. I'm not trying to convince you of the power of sushi. But it's a delicious meal. And when you enjoy something delicious, it's rewarding and satisfying to you. Do you see that keeping God's word brings reward like Psalm 19, 10, and 11 speaks of? It's sweeter than honey. It is more valuable than gold. And Psalm 19 literally says, and in keeping it, there is great reward. If you believe that God created you, God has a good plan, God knows best, then don't you think that God's plan for you is superior than your plan for you? Not only is it superior, it's delightful. Throughout the scripture, we see Hebrews 13, the marriage bed is to be pure. 1 Peter 3, wives are to conduct themselves in purity. 1 Timothy 5, young men are to treat women in all purity. Over and over and over, purity is emphasized. Do you see that as a handcuff in a prison cell, or do you see it as God's best plans for you? And that, sure, there may be temptations that come, but God is not handcuffing you and withholding something good from you. God is inviting you to something superior. Purity is the path to superior satisfaction. I'm starting to sound like John Piper. I need to make a couple of hyphenated words in there. But purity is the path to superior satisfaction. Sometimes we think, oh, like, oh, it's so hard to be single in this day and age. Like, I, I don't live in the 20s anymore. Come on, that idea is so archaic. No, no, it's not about that. It's about, do you think God's plans are best? And do you believe he has your best interest? Because if you believe in the goodness and the wisdom of God, you have to say yes. So God's not holding something from you. God is saying, I have a better plan for you, and God's will is always better than our will. So we got to stop for a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about next steps. We will be right back. All right, and we'll take this short break before we dive into the second half of this episode on purity. And as we do, I want to highlight an excellent resource that we have available in the Transformed Store that directly relates to today's topic by Dr. John Street. It's called Passions of the Heart, and this book takes a very deep dive, a grace-filled dive, but a 
deep dive on how to maintain sexual purity in this dark fallen world we live in. Let me share a brief excerpt from the book. Dr. Street says, quote, God calls us to purity because he loves us. Impurity demeans us. But purity honors who we are as people made in God's image. Yes, purity involves sacrifice, but it also protects us from future regrets and entangles in the cords of sin. Such a great perspective. Uh, Passions of the Heart by Dr. John Street, full of practical wisdom. And I would encourage you to grab a copy right now at transform.org. Now, as you know, we talk about this all of the time, but as you know, producing episodes of Transformed and our other resources require quite a team of people that are committed to serving you and serving the lost world at large. And we can't do this alone. So I would like to take a moment to ask you to consider joining us as ongoing monthly gospel partners. You can look at what that means and what it might look like in your life to do that while you're perusing the Transformed store at transformed.org. And finally, maybe listening to Transformed has stirred your interest into becoming a certified biblical counselor. Man, I really hope that it has because our churches, as I say all of the time, are in desperate need of more biblical counselors. And Seeing with New Eyes by David Pallison, an excellent introduction to the foundations and the skills of counseling from a biblical framework. Pallison says, counseling is not telling people what to do. It's helping them see themselves with new eyes so that they know what to do. And such new eyes come from learning to read the world through the lens of scripture. That's another great perspective from another counseling expert. Pick up Seeing with New Eyes at transformed.org to get equipped and to start your journey toward becoming a certified biblical counselor. All right, well, that's going to do it for me. We've got to get back now to another counseling expert. That's Dr. Greg Gifford as he continues his discussion on purity and cohabitation. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. The Purity Conversation has resumed. You know, it, it is uh, going without saying that we live in a culture of impurity and maybe just a, a level of decreasing condemnation. Maybe that's not the best word, uh, ill repute for impure relationships. But I am in no way going to say that North America in our modern time is the worst society of all time. If you believe that, then you need to go back and study some of the Greek culture. You need to go and study some of the other Asian cultures. Like There is impurity checkered throughout all of mankind. So I'm not here to say that we're at the worst point in history. Our, our problem, our temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it's common to man. But we've been addressing this idea of younger folks who have imbibed the mentality of, well, let's live together. Let's check each other out. Let's take this relationship on a test drive, and then we'll know if we want to get married. And that affects purity. I am convinced you will never be a pure person if you consistently see the commands for purity, the call for purity, as restrictions. You have to see these as guardrails to delight, guardrails to satisfaction, guardrails to honoring the Lord. There's an analogy that's given in a book entitled Future Grace. It was written by John Piper, 
And he even bleeds this over into pornography and staying pure in realms like pornography. He says, you know what? If you have a steak that is on the grill, you can smell it. Ooh, tri-tip. Mmm, New York Strip. It is, it's gangbusters time. Like whenever it's steak night, we're celebrating in my house. So the steak is, it's almost done. It's been on for 30 minutes. You know, you're about to pull that thing off. And then someone in your house comes up to you and says, hey, I just made a bologna sandwich. Do you want one? (laughs) Oh, man. You guys know what bologna sandwiches are? Oh, I only know one person to have eaten a bologna sandwich and lived, and that is my father. I think he has iron intestines. Uh, I remember growing up, it's basically a hot dog that's sliced up like sandwich meat. I don't even know what comprises a bologna sandwich. Like, what goes in there? I think you just eat the plastic wrapper with the meat itself. It doesn't even matter at a certain point. If someone were to come up to you with a bologna sandwich and the steak is within minutes of being done, nine times out of 10, you're like, get that cone out of my face. Like, I am not going to settle for something that is less when I have something superior in front of me here. Yeah, there's no way I'm biting into this nasty bologna sandwich when the tri-tip is almost ready. You're crazy. I am hungry although I'll be candid, and there is a level of satisfaction that would come from eating a sandwich right now, even a bologna sandwich. Like We can be candid about that. I might be temporarily full with an inferior product for sure, but I am going to wait for something that is better and superior. That is purity. That is purity. When you think of purity, you have to think, yeah, there are maybe temporal, temporal fulfillments. There is a fleeting pleasure of sin. Hebrews 11, talking about Moses, for sure, there is a fleeting pleasure. But I'm actually waiting for the steak to be done through the eyes of faith. I'm seeing God's plans as better for my life. This young people mentality of living together, cohabiting, try before you buy, purity is this archaic concept. You are eating bologna sandwiches, honestly, and they're awful. And you're denying something that's superior, which is a relationship with a spouse who has saved themselves for you and you have saved yourself for them. And you enter into that new union and greater holiness and preparation. So what happens when we're on the cusp and we're saying, you know what, Dr. Gifford, it's, you know what, you're right. Inwardly, I know you're right. And yet maybe I'm living with someone now, or maybe I have a child who is living with someone. We're open to change. That's how I want to finish this last segment. You're open to change. You're open to doing things different. You know, if you're unwilling to admit that that's a problem, then this is not going to be a really helpful apologetic for you. But if you're saying, yes, I know that that's not right before the Lord, it's not helping me, it's not helping this other person, then what do you do? Well, first of all, I think you need to acknowledge that if you are an impure single person, you will be an impure married person. Let me say that again for the sake of emphasis. If you are an impure single person, you will be an impure married person. Sometimes in this context, we think, well, when you get married, like you you don't have to discipline yourself as much. You don't have to deny yourself as much. You still have to deny yourself and you still have to discipline yourself. So in that context, if you're just giving into the flesh as a single person, the moment you walk down that aisle doesn't radically change who you are. But now you're bringing all of that baggage into a marriage that's going to affect a spouse and potential children. Let it be a sobering call that my singleness is preparation in purity for my married life and being pure in my married life. So I need to take this seriously because this isn't just going to stop as soon as I get married. And if you're saying, well, I've already messed up, Dr. Gifford, like I've already 
we're living together now. I've had immoral relationships in the past. I've dated people I shouldn't have dated. Then here is the way that you should think about them. Starting today, moving forward, I am recommitting to the Lord to honor him. I want 1 Thessalonians 4 to be true of me. If I'm a female, I'm thinking this through the lens of I want to be pure towards men. If I'm a male, I want to be pure towards women. This reality is that even though I may have failed in the past, today is a new day and God's mercies are fresh to me today. So I am recommitting before the Lord to honor him now moving forward. And if you are in a relationship with someone and they are willing to recommit with you, then you're going to have to work hard, erect significant barriers, move out, definitely move out, and be willing to inconvenience yourself for the sake of purity, 100%. But if you are dating someone who is not willing to make that commitment to purity, or they're saying something like this loser guy was saying, show me in the Bible where it's wrong, you need to run. You need to dump them. I'll just be very black and white. They are not on the same path of wanting to honor Christ as Lord of their life, and it ain't going to go well for you. It never does. So if you think you can stay in that relationship and be the Daniel in the Babylon type of context, that is not a helpful analogy to use there because you are going to be sucked back into that. So recommit your relationship. If the person you're dating is willing to do that, then great. Continue to pursue forward. But I I am very open to this, and you guys can write in and tell me how wrong I am on saying this, but I have told multiple dating couples that if they cannot get control of their purity, that it is not God's will for them to date. And I didn't have a vision. There was no cloud in the sky. I wish there was an angel to terrify me and deliver a message, but that's never happened. Where am I getting that from? I'm getting that from 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It's God's will for you to be holy. And if you're not being holy and you're dating someone who's not being holy toward you, then it is not God's will. Why does that matter? Because sometimes we get confused and we think, well, we really love each other. We have affections for each other. Uh-uh, uh-uh. If you're promoting unholiness with each other, then let me do you a favor. It is not God's will for you to be dating. If you guys cannot get it under control, you need to break up. You do. You need to break up. It is not honoring to the Lord. Take your sin so seriously that you're willing to deal with it in a way that says, I am going to break up with you if we continue this. Take your delight in the Lord and his plans for you so seriously that you say, I want God's best plans for me and for you, and this is not it. So I am willing to take an extreme measure of breaking up and then working towards personal purity. I have done former episodes on shame and guilt. Those were in uh, the past few months. I would encourage you, if you have committed sexual sin that you do, you do possess guilt for, to go back and check out those episodes because in a very real sense, you may need to repent of a way that you've lived your life. But once you move forward, you know that you can now be pure starting today moving forward. And the beautiful part is, listeners, the beautiful part is that if you do that as a single and you bring that into a dating relationship and bring it into a marriage, then the end result is that your dating relationship is better and your marriage is better. We're not bringing all of the baggage of our impure lifestyles into those relationships. So you're, you're seeing through the eyes of faith that God has a better plan for me and that entails purity. 
And I want to enter into a marriage relationship where we love each other, we're pure, we honor each other, we're not disrespecting others through our impure acts, and we're not bringing all of this gnarly baggage into our marriage because of our impure pasts. I hope that you see with the eyes of faith that the tribe before you buy is baloney in multiple ways. It's grosser than baloney. It's like pimento cheese and baloney combined, uh, topped with something else that's gross. I'm not sure what, but that through the eyes of faith, purity is God's great and beautiful plan for us. That is the way to deep satisfaction and enjoyment. Psalm 1611 at God's right hand is our, excuse me, our pleasures forevermore by the faith of uh, what we walk in by the eyes of faith that we're called to use. I pray that you would see that. So let me finish and let me pray for you. And as you're thinking through this, there may be someone that would benefit from this episode. I'm not saying be passive aggressive and text them this, but I am saying that, you know, if you have someone that's wrestling with it, they know they're in a dating relationship that's not good, it's not good for them, share this episode with them. And maybe the Lord will use this just as a nudge to help them move back to a greater place of holiness. Let's pray that. Lord, I do ask you would use this episode to prompt people to see that your will is not a prison for us and it's not chains that are preventing us from good things, but that you have a better, superior plan. Help us to be holy children, fit for your use, so that we can honor you in the capacities you've entrusted to us and we can do good to other people, those we're dating, those that we're married to. And may our personal purity be a significant part of that equation. Give us grace for this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And until next time, go serve your king. 